Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. episode number 20 of graveyard duck podcast with you as always my name is scott and i am wes and uh welcome back wes thank you very much good to be here (laughs) yeah we took a little bit of a break there for um the holidays it was a little crazy i had a long vacation which that's no excuse not to record considering i was mostly just sitting on my butt not doing anything but um we just went on the because it was freaking cold i didn't want to do shit yeah, that's true. Although it's warmer upstairs where I record than it is the rest of the house, so that's right. less of an excuse. But yeah. anyway, our, our Christmas spirit was overpowering our ninja spirit, so that's a little why bit. It, um, delayed for a while. Yeah, feeling kind of lazy, just kind of not really with it. So we thought rather than give you a half episode, let's wait till the first week back and yeah. give it our all. So we don't we don't do half-ass episodes here. This is not drunken zombie, so. <laughs> If it took uh, four of you to make half an ass, then I don't know what fraction that made each one of you. But I don't know. I took math 101 twice, so I'm, I don't know what that adds up to. That's like two. Math, that's math exactly. 202 then, right? Right, right. Yeah. All right. So we're we're here. We're doing uh, Ninja Spirit for the TurboGrafx-16, most notably, but also the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it had got a couple other ports in there as well. But uh, I know the TurboGrafx-16 edition most um and let's see that was released in japan july 6 1990 uh us same year europe um and australia it looks like didn't get this until the virtual console on the wii in 2007 um, um, well that would make sense because they i don't think they got the pc engine at all mm-hmm. if i remember right yeah the uh arcade version it's looking like that was a release in 1988 mm-hmm. so a little bit earlier than the Turbo Graphics version, but um, we'll talk about the differences between the two a little bit later on. But um, I would say we can kick this off with a little bit of a nostalgia. So, Wes, this episode was actually your pick. So why don't you tell us about why you chose Ninja Spirit and why you love the game? Yeah. Um, so I guess some of my earliest memories of this game really just came from uh, magazine advertisements. Um, the Turbo Graphics was... Um, at the time that it came out, it had a pretty heavy marketing push as far as um, like gaming magazines were concerned. And I was used to see, uh, you know, different games spotlighted in there. And I thought, oh, these look really cool. But, you know, it 
you couldn't really rent turbo graphics games anywhere nobody really had them um i didn't really know anybody that had the system and at the time you know like i was gearing up for the super nes so it wasn't like i could just go out and buy a turbo graphics but there were a lot of games that i looked at on in the ads and i thought oh it looks really cool i'd like to play that and ninja spirit happened to be one of them because a lot of the ads always showed the um the first boss and it you know the the ad would always show like look how tall this boss is it's like you know three or four character heights tall and i thought wow that looks really cool it looks like you know ninja gaiden or or something like that so um it was just a game that you know i wanted to play and kind of forgot about for a few years until um you know kind of got into emulation and stuff like that around college and started playing and like wow this game is really really good and it's been one that's kind of stuck with me throughout the years and i've kind of um gone back to and just picked up and played through and uh yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's funny that that was one of the big selling factors of the Turbo Graphics. I can remember some of the early commercials, and they really hyped up the fact that they had like gigantic bosses. Like, oh, yeah. that yeah. was their thing. Yeah, um, which is kind of interesting. Like that, that's a selling factor, but it was. Well, it was. I mean, I mean, you know, you got to look. The eight and sixteen bit days were just full of um, each company just trying to outdo each other. You know, and that's what was great about it is. You know, the Turbo Graphics, you know, at its heart is really just an 8-bit system that has a really good processor in it. But technically, it was part of the 16-bit consoles. So, you know, they're kind of able to say, well, look at what, you know, we can do that the competition can't do. Right. You know, it's kind of fun. You, you don't really see that as much anymore because there's just, I don't know, there's so much parity between all the systems now that um, they don't all have their unique sort of exclusives that stand out like you know, like systems used to, I guess. Yeah. And, and, you know, Ninja Spirit is one of those that I kind of have two waves of memories with it. Um, I had never actually played it until about three weeks ago when you suggested it. Um, But I remember after looking it up after your suggestion and seeing the cover art, I 100% remember seeing this in, you know, Electronic Boutique back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never owned a TurboGrafx-16 growing up, but... Mm -hmm. It was always that like other shelf of games that was like to the side of the Super NES mm-hmm. and the NES games that I was always shopping for. And right. I remember that there weren't very many of them and they all had characters that like I'm not familiar with. But every now and then there was one that looked really colorful or really cool and drew my attention and made me think like, oh, I bet that I bet that game would be really neat. And Ninja Spirit's one that I, I definitely remember. Um, mm-hmm. It's that like those bright green columns on the side with the ninja standing in the middle. And, you know, he's not quite as badass looking as Ryu is, but uh, yeah, know, I mean, he, he's got more of the, uh, the look of the last ninja. That was an old PC game. He kind of just, you know, or almost um, like Shinobi a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Shinobi. But yeah, he's, still, he's still a ninja. I mean, we're 1988, 1990. I mean, we're in like, prime ninja game territory i was just gonna say like what was it about that era where everything was ninjas and there was no such thing as oversaturation of ninjas and if it had ninja in the title it's like well hell yeah i want it like (laughs) well and we probably talked about this before but i think a lot of it boils down to the um the outpouring of japanese animation and uh, japanese games in the late 80s early 90s i think that's just really what what kind of fed our um, fascination with this stuff because like you said it was you know it was different than what we were accustomed to but at the same time like there's just something badass about being a ninja yeah so 
Yeah. I don't know. But um, I was going to say with the cover art, um, it's interesting you mentioned that because for the Turbo Graphics, the Ninja Spirit box art is actually really good. And I would say that um, this is like a really um, lucky opportunity because if you've ever looked at any of the other Turbo Graphics box art, at least the U.S. box art, um, it's pretty damn terrible. <laughs> I mean, I like it because it's kind of bad in a way because it's all like sort of weird pastel type watercolor um, drawings and stuff like that. But not really. I mean, if you looked at the cover art for Dungeon Explorer and Electronics Boutique, you know, you probably wouldn't want to take that game home. I mean, if you look at Ninja Spirit, you're like, yeah, that looks awesome. But I think that was that's probably for another episode another day. But uh, um, I think that was probably one of the selling points is that the box art was actually pretty decent for it. Right. Um, yeah. So this was, I had not played this until just a couple weeks ago, like I said. And what's funny is as soon as I started playing it and, you know, we'll get into the story and kind of the uh, mechanics of it, but it's similar to what you were just saying about how, like all these games are kind of parodies of one another, because this is in a lot of ways, I mean, I don't want to say this in a derogatory term, but it's like, it, it's like almost like an unofficial clone of, you know, I guess Ninja Gaiden 2 would be the closest. Um, the the gameplay is not at all similar, but you have a lot of similar like mm. power-ups or the, the, the phantom double aspect yeah. of it. Well, this um, actually came out before Ninja Gaiden 2, though, didn't it? Yeah, so I mean, it was just a game that like played very similar, you know, not not claiming that one is, you know, ripping off the other or vice versa, um, because yeah, the the arcade of this did come out two years before Ninja Gaiden Two, but it's just it's a very similar playing game. Um, yeah. The other one that it's you know very very similar to is uh, Legend of Kaje for uh-huh. NES. Um, yeah, I was gonna say um, it, it's very much um, sort of an homage to that game in a way, right? Yeah, the, the the jumping style, the like climbing on the, mm-hmm. the branches of the trees, like there were several levels that I felt were very, very similar. So I guess there's your selling factor. Alone, if, I mean, you're because you're constantly running, you're constantly under assault by enemies. And I think uh, Legend of Kage sort of does that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so if either of those two games that we mentioned are ones that you liked and have never played Ninja Spirit, like, well, you're probably... Mm-hmm going to be interested in this as well um yeah yeah i would i would go so far as to say i mean i'd be hard pressed to find a a ninja game from the 8 or 16-bit era that i don't like i mean to be honest with you i mean from all the ninja games that i've played so far i mean and i've played quite a few of them they're all really fun this would be another episode but have you ever played uh, ninja crusaders uh is that the side-scrolling beat-em-up one with um no i'm thinking of ninja warriors Ninja Crusaders was an NES game made by uh, Sammy. Okay. Um, I forget what year it came out. It was pretty late, but I was one that I need to go back and replay it because I rented it once and just completely loved it. But okay. anyway, that's another episode. So Ninja recommendations. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I would say the other, okay. the other similarity between this and some of the other ninja games was the uh, the backstory of this is it, it I felt very similar to the original Ninja Gaiden. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Basically, you are a young ninja who's avenging your father who was killed. You know, kind of in a duel or some mysterious circumstance, and 
all you know is that they were killed by another ninja and so you're basically out to avenge them um but are you though are you really the reason i ask is because um in looking at the different versions of this game uh for the show and like you said in the beginning the turbo graphics version is sort of the the lead platform that we always kind of think of um that's the only one that i've seen that starts off completely differently from any of the other versions well how's how's the intro of the others so in like the arcade version and um like the Amiga and the Atari ST and some of the other versions, uh, you start off in the first stage, but it, it starts off with your character just um, basically bowing in front of a shrine. And so there's like a, um, I don't know if it's like, if you're paying respect to to your master or something, and then you just embark on the tale of revenge and you just go from there. Huh. But the TurboGrafx one is a little bit more interesting because the first scene starts off with, um, you know, sort of the the master being killed, and then the dog sort of, um, you know, comes in and, and howls at the moon and sort of mourns for him, and then it just goes from there. So, in a way, are you are you sort of the spirit of the dog as a ninja? In the I didn't understand. I never understood the dog connection. Um, I'm going purely from the one little paragraph in the instruction book, which just oh, okay. says, you know, that you know, right before your eyes, your father was murdered. So. Apparently mm. you you witnessed it happen. Uh, now raised in the ways of the ninja, you seek revenge. But who is the half man, half beast who attacked your father during the night? Mm. You know only that it is another ninja. Uh, there's no time for grief. Go now, follow your ninja, follow yeah. the path of the ninja, destroy your enemy, yada, yada, yada. Um, and that's more, yeah, that's more in line with the other versions. But I'm just saying like based on that cutscene in the beginning, it's very like, because it, it that that scene is nowhere in any of the other games, so it just seems kind of strange that the dog would howl and mourn for his master, and then all of a sudden you're playing as his character. So are you are you sort of the reincarnated spirit of the dog as a ninja to exact revenge? I don't know. If that's the case, then I'm I'm pissed. I didn't get to turn into a dog anywhere in the game because man, that would have been neat. Yeah, but this also came out around the time that Shadow Dancer came out, and that already had a, a ninja and a dog in it playable. So. Maybe right, I didn't want to infringe on it too much. I don't know. Are you implying that there's a limit to how many games can have ninjas turning into dogs? Because I'm going to call BS. Well, I'm just saying, like, if they all released at the same time, it's, you know, I don't know. I would rather <laughs> wait on, on my ninja dog games. I'd rather space them out just <laughs> so I don't get too burned out. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, the let's see. What else do we want to kind of talk about as the preliminary kind of stuff it's um not a terribly long game you got seven stages total um i think in fact when you get really good at it you can beat it in about 17 minutes is that right yeah yeah my record i i finally beat it today for the first time and it was at about 45 minutes for me okay um, now granted this is playing pc engine mode which um we should differentiate i guess because on this version pc engine mode lets you take five hits before you die and the arcade version and everything else is one hit before you die. Right, right. So, so and consequently, you can set the difficulty to arcade mode on the Turbo Graphics version if you want. So if you want a, an extreme challenge, but yeah, which uh, I thought was a cool feature. I liked that it wasn't just the the console version, you know, kind of watered down for ease. Like you still have unlimited mm-hmm. continues, but um, right. Yeah, I like that when you go to the arcade mode, then it's just one hit and you're dead, but you get mm-hmm. five lives per credit. So right. um, essentially it's the same. It just takes a little bit, you know, more 
luck to kind of get through which i mean and honestly with this game like once you get to the point where you're i'm gonna say air quotes good um i i I found that i really didn't take too much damage throughout the stage um the the times that i would die it was usually like an instant death kind of thing which there's plenty of opportunities for that but yeah there are there are some enemies that will kill you in one hit regardless right and there's there's a few pits there's a few uh, traps, things like that. But I found that there were a lot of stages where I would get to the boss and I still had all five yep. um, hits. And, you know, the boss was kind of the same way. Like there's a couple of the bosses that it's a one hit death. Um, so it's either kind of a you kill them or you don't. So I, at, at first, it seemed like the arcade version would be just, you know, brutally difficult compared to the turbo graphics. But I, after playing through it and kind of getting used to the game, I don't know that it would be. No, that is much more tough. No, because once you once you get good at this game, then uh, it's it becomes really enjoyable because it's not overly. It it seems like it might be overly cheap at times because you get swarmed from the left and the right with enemies. But um, the game is sort of designed to keep you moving, and so if you if you stop, it, you almost have more trouble uh, than if you were to just constantly keep going forward and attacking as you're as you're moving. Right. Well, and we should also talk about, you know, the different weapons that you get because that helps balance it out too, because the, the, the uh, assault of enemies that comes on you, or it's actually quite manageable if you have the right weapon and the right power up. Um, So the game itself is built with four weapons that you can choose from. Um, You have all four at the start and you can press select to kind of cycle through them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have your, you know, katana, which is, just kind of your standard run and slash weapon, although you can mm-hmm. attack up or down, you know, or forward, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you slash in sort of an arc, which is cool. Yeah, know, it's it's, it's got a pretty decent hitbox. Um, yeah, which you is have nice. an upward swing, a downward swing, and sort of a stab through the ground. Um, and then there's the shurikens. There's which are kind of weak but very fast, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously ranged. There's some little grenade bombs that you can throw which mm-hmm. uh, are a little bit slow and hard to aim but they're incredibly powerful yeah and then there's a kind of sickle and chain which is mostly like you know a whip you know think almost like a super mm-hmm. castlevania 4 where yeah you can, you can aim it in uh, different directions above your head right and also right. if you kind of like once it's extended if you kind of do a swoop on the d-pad you can you know swing it around and um, it's, it's definitely got a lot of mobility, but I found it kind of difficult to control. Um, yeah, I didn't use that one. That, that, that's probably my least used weapon out yeah, of all of them. Same here. Um, and then with all of the weapons, as, as you kind of go through the stage, you, you start out with just you and the four weapons, but there are, you know, certain ninjas, they're orange that when you kill them, they drop a little power up. Mm-hmm. And there's four different color power-ups, and each one does a different thing. One of them gives you one of those phantom doubles, which, just like in Ninja Gaiden 2, they kind of follow you and mimic exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the power-ups puts a little flame around you, which kind of protects you from some damage, but not all. Yeah. Um, sort of an invincible. Yeah, a little bit. If, if it hits just right, um, one of the power-ups just kind of kills everything on the screen. And mm-hmm. the last one will upgrade whatever weapon you currently have selected. And the upgraded power version of each weapon is significantly better. Um, 
And so it's it's kind of a game, you know, one of the strategies that you want to go with is find the weapon that works for that particular level. And like each level, it's kind of different strategy. So what works really well in one stage might be different in a different stage. Um, or what helps you get through the stage might not be the most effective thing against the boss. So you kind of got to play around with it. But mm-hmm. as you go through the level, you want to make sure that like, if you find the red power up, you upgrade the weapon and then next one you find like switch to a different weapon to upgrade it so after a couple stages if you don't die you could have all four things powered up um but it's like when you get to the point where you've got both of your little you know alter ego doubles and you've got a powered up weapon you're kind of clearing the screen with whatever weapon you're using oh Um, yeah the the arc on that sword just becomes huge and It, it spits out these sort of um I don't know what you'd call them, like little force field uh, things as well. Right. So it kind of increases the range as well and blocks projectiles. Yeah. So you plus two copies of you swinging that around, like it's kind of a little impenetrable shield. Um, or well, it makes you feel like a badass too. I mean, exactly. I don't know. That's what I like about these kind of games. When you get like a full set of power ups, you know, you just you just have this feeling of being uh, unstoppable almost. Right. Right. So. Yeah, it, it sort of reminds me of, of Gradius a little bit. I mean, as far as like, you know, because Gradius has like the options that follow you around. And this is kind of the the ninja doubles are kind of the same thing in a way. Yeah. And, and I think the only thing about this that I like better than with Gradius is that I felt like I had some control over the mm-hmm. doubles in this. Um, yeah. It wasn't just, hey, they're also randomly shooting things around and hopefully they'll hit something. It's like it's not at all difficult in this game to kind of like watch what they're doing and aim their attacks at enemies too. Like, and so it's, mm-hmm. it, it really yeah, was. Thing is you can position them in, in ways that um, especially like if you're at a certain boss, like say the first, the first boss, for instance, uh, if you position the doubles so that like, if you jump up and then you've got one all the way at the top of the screen one in the middle, and then you're at the bottom, uh, you just basically have to stand in the center and uh, just hit the boss with your sword. Right. So, yeah. Which, and again, if you've played Ninja Gaiden 2, which odds are you probably have, um, you'll be right at home with the uh, ninja doubles in this one. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, of really fun aspects to the game. I think that the fact that you do get that kind of feeling of becoming a badass is, is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah. But, you know, all of that's balanced out with a pretty hefty challenge, too. Um, oh, yeah. This game's not easy. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it requires a lot of skill and memorization for the most part. Right. Uh, but, you know, you, the other reason I like games like this, too, is that you're forced to think quickly on your feet and adapt to, um, you know, whatever changes there might be. So. Um, well, and you, you you can just tell that with each of these stages that there's a way through it. Yeah. Um, and it's like at first you just feel like there's no way. Like I'm just getting my ass kicked, you know, time after time. And it, but but you know that it's not a cheap game. Like there's nothing about this that's unfair. It's just you got to keep trying until you finally figure it out. And then from that point forward, it's pretty easy. Um, Kind of like on the way to the last boss. Oh my god, that <laughs> I call it Ninja Death Tunnel. Um, yeah, I didn't... <laughs> and I and I didn't realize that that was right before the boss. Um, right. But yeah, the first time I played it, I kind of just spent an afternoon on the game. I got to that part and mm. was like, "All right, 
what what the hell is going on? And you basically jump off this cliff and I mean, you fall for a good two or three, I mean, a minute and a half, two minutes probably of falling. And yeah, I, I don't know how long it really is, but like, there's just this ocean of ninjas flying upwards and you have to dodge your way through them. Yeah, um, you can't kill them. I mean, it seems like you can attack them, but they don't really die. You can like it. There seems to be a mix. There were some of them that you could kill. Mm-hmm. There are some you couldn't. There were some that when they hit you, they only did one, you know, life of damage. Others uh-huh. were instant death. So, I mean, the the ultimate take home is you're not going to power your way through it, and you're not going to just like you know fall and hope you don't take enough damage. Like the only option is to realize that there is a pattern to them learn the pattern and fall through the pattern and it's just oh i mean i'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say i spent 45 minutes on this the first time i played it and finally just like had to give up because i'm just like i don't (laughs) i don't get it like but yeah i knew that's why i'm I'm curious to know how you solve that part because there is a there is a section that you can just pass through uh pretty much all of them without ever getting hit yeah and and i think I, f- I figured out what it was. Uh, let's save that for a little bit longer, just yeah, yeah, for sure, in case it's a little bit of a spoiler. But um, yeah, I, it, it's we're long past spoilers. Um, no, and I, I just didn't want to take away because, like, it, when I got to that point, like I said, I knew that the reason I'm dying here is that either this is still a, a um, like a relic from the arcade days, and they're trying to make you pump in more and more and more quarters. Mm-hmm. Or this is just one of those challenges that there's a way through it. And if you have enough perseverance, you'll figure it out. And I knew that I could. Um, yeah. And I had another obligation that particular day, so I couldn't sit and do it anymore. But then when I got back to it today, I was like, I know I'm going to figure this out. And I did. And yeah. so that that's a very rewarding feeling. And those are the games that I really love is that uh-huh. it's not just, you know, go for it and hope for the best. It's, I have confidence now to know that I could do it again because I, yeah. I learned it. I solved it. It wasn't just a luck thing. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Let's go back for a minute because uh, you were talking about the weapons for a little bit. And I wanted to bring something up um, before the show um, we had talked and maybe it was about a week or so ago, or it was when you first started playing. And I think you had sent me a message that um, at one point you didn't realize that there were different weapons. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I did that too the first time that I played as well because um, and in looking at the different versions, of course, um, all the other ones they have they show all the weapons at the bottom of the screen, uh, so like you could select them. But in the Turbo Graphics one, you only see it in the upper left corner. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised, I guess, especially coming to it now where like we don't have really you don't have a physical instruction manual in front of you to read before you play the game, but. Um, I'm not surprised that, you know, somebody that would play this game would all of a sudden go, oh, wow, there's other weapons besides the sword. Right, right. And, you know, I bought this on the virtual console. Um, mm-hmm. So that was how I was playing it. It's the Graphics version. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I didn't have the instruction book sitting in front of me. Um, hell, if I had, you know, rented this back in the 90s, I probably wouldn't have had the instruction book either. But um, you're, you're kind of just going along and... I didn't even have any reason to think that there could have been other weapons like select is the last button you ever even think to press. Cause it never does anything. Right. Um, so I was just going along and, and the other thing too, and this is where it's kind of tricky is that for the first 
I would say three stages, the sword is actually a decent weapon. Um, oh, it's really good. Yeah. Like I, you I said, th- when you power it up. Yeah. I, th- I think that for the first stage, the sword might almost be the preferable weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, for stage two, I would agree. I would echo that up until the boss. I think that that boss is very difficult with the sword. Um, But if you have the bombs, he's a piece of cake. Mm. Um, Stage three, you can get through it with the sword. Um, If I remember right, that's the stage where the uh, ghosts of a fugitive warrior first show up. They're the ones, those like big zombie dudes with the sword. It's a one hit kill. Um, You can take them out with the sword, but it's tough. Uh, Ranged weapons work better. So, in that stage like i finally got through it but it took a lot of work and then once i got to stage four i was just getting my ass handed to me and i'm like what am i missing here and then just coincidentally i think i think i like disc or unplugged and replugged my controller because yeah because i was playing with uh i've got the nes advantage and i've got a cable that lets me plug it into a gamecube port yeah Mm -hmm. so i plugged it into the the wii and i was like i want the the arcade experience so i yeah when I plugged that in, sometimes it just like does a random like button mash oh, uh, sure. electronically. Mm-hmm. And when I unpaused it, all of a sudden I was like using shurikens, and I'm like, "How the hell did I do that?" And so that's when I figured out, oh, if I press select, I can choose these, and that changed the whole game. But <laughs> well, especially on like you said on Virtual Console, because your isn't your select button mapped to the minus button on the Wiimote? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's the odds of you ever pressing the minus button would be slim to none, really. Right, right. So, yeah, it was a weird little discovery to suddenly find that there's multiple weapons. And uh... I think that also adds to the replayability of this game, too, though, because, like you said, yeah, there's there's different weapons that are suitable in different parts of the game. But really, um, if you really want to challenge yourself, um, try playing through this game with only one weapon, you know, and see if you can... See if you can do it all with the sword or all with the um, shurikens. Sure. I mean, um, that's the other kind of nice part about it. Yeah, I ended up finding that the uh, the firebombs were by far my favorite. Yeah. And you didn't count them, though, because otherwise I think you can only throw like one or two. Yeah, you can only have one on the screen at a time until you get the power up. Um, but even then, it's just like it's so powerful and like yeah. go, goes through enemies. It's ranged. Kills a lot mm-hmm. of things in one hit. Has a hit box and does like three or four points of damage, I think. Just uh-huh. Um, yeah. In fact, the only time I found that that weapon kind of screws you is if you press down an attack, you kind of just like drop a little time bomb. Oh, yeah, you set it on the floor. And yeah. it takes a second to explode, yeah. but while you're waiting, you, you're defenseless. You can't throw anymore. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why you would ever use that function, but it's there. Yeah, it, it helps kill some of the things like in stage four where there's the guys below the floor that try to stab up at you. Mm. Um, but you could also just kind of jump and throw down and that does it too. But yeah, um, yeah so I, I ended up finding that that weapon's the best. I think that it pretty much just cleans out any enemy or any of the bosses with almost no effort. Mm. Um, but there's a couple of the stages where you need a little bit more protection and that the sword is pretty much the only way to go and yeah um, so yeah it's it, it's fun to kind of play with that and just see how the strategy is a little bit different oh yeah depending on the weapon yeah i i especially liked uh, using the shurikens and uh having two of the doubles and the power up at the same time because you're throwing um 
almost like the spreader from Contra. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's like three different angles of throwing stars coming out. Coming then, out of each person. So there's like yeah, nine of them flying around. So it's like, yeah, then you really feel like a badass just, you know, throwing a shitload of throwing stars onto the screen at once. So, and since you can throw them like in eight different directions. Yeah. 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 You just, yeah. You just, the screen is just full of just death from a thousand throwing stars. Right. You know, and we should also mention that this game is, uh, you know, pretty well programmed in terms of its power. Like oh, there's a ton of stuff going on in that screen and I never experienced any slowdown or any flicker. Right. Um, so it plays very, very smoothly for a game that has tons going on. Yeah. And that's actually, that's one of the reasons why the turbo graphics is one of my favorite retro consoles, because um, I mean, it's, they obviously is, I mean, the name is kind of cheesy anyway for here, but um, you know, that was kind of the big thing was the turbo and the speed and the sense of speed. And so, you know, you can really tell that having, you know, the, the processor that they had in there allowed for uh, fast moving games and like action packed games, such as like Ninja Spirit and uh, a lot of the shoot 'em ups like Blazing Lasers and Soldier Blade and stuff like that, that are just very, very smooth playing games with tons of stuff going on. And um, yeah, hardly any slowdown or sprite flicker or anything like that. Right. So, and awesome color palettes too, like especially the backgrounds of this game, like the, the first level alone was like just the dead trees and the, the giant moon in the background. I mean, it's it's minimal, but the use of color and uh, design, I think, looks really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's an incredibly good looking game. Um, yeah. And it's one that like really preserved the arcade aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot of ports, you know, arcade ports that just don't feel like arcade games anymore. But this is one that even the Turbo Graphics version of it is very much an arcade game in the home, and that's really cool. Well, like you said, it's not really a quarter muncher. It's a skill based game that you know. The more that you play it, then the better you will get at it. But uh, it becomes one that you want to master and and be really good at. I think. Right. All right. So, were you able to find anything about like differences of the arcade versus Turbo Graphics or any of the other ports? Uh, you know, a little bit like I, I was saying in the beginning with um, the amount of damage that you can take, that's sort of the biggest difference between them. The arcade version, meaning you can only take one hit, and the PC Engine Turbo Graphics version being like five. But most of the other differences, I looked at, um, there's a, a video on YouTube that kind of compared a lot of the different PC versions just because, you know, I never really, actually, I didn't know that there were all these different versions of it uh, until we started researching this. But, um, like the Amiga, the Atari ST, the ZX Spectrum, um, you know, lots of different versions of this game. And not all of them, obviously not very good for uh, 8-bit computers of the day. But um, for the most part, the only other difference that I saw was just in the um, the user interface. And like I said in the beginning with the other games had the weapons listed at the bottom. Um, so you could kind of see it the whole time. The TurboGrafx is the only one that sort of takes that away and puts every puts basically all the action on a full screen front and center. So um, otherwise, yeah, what you see is, is pretty much what you get across the board. So um, for the most part, it's largely unchanged unless you get into sort of the, like the arcade version versus the turbo graphics version, as far as difficulty and stuff like that. Um, some of the bosses take a lot more hits in the arcade mode, but that's the only other difference I could find. Interesting. 
So yeah, the Turbo Graphics was the only version that I could come across. Um, obviously, I don't have the arcade cabinet sitting in my house, but um, yeah, I've never even seen the arcade cabinet. I don't even. I'm not even sure if the Galloping Ghost has it. Hmm. So I I would love to play it if I find it though. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what else do you want to talk about on this before we talk about some tips and tricks and other strategies and whatnot? Uh, well. You know, I, I put a little bit of, uh, of a poll out on Facebook and Twitter today just um, trying to get some, some memories of the show, uh, of this game for the show. And uh, we a couple of our listeners, um, you know, kind of chimed in. And um, uh, our listener, uh, Scott Morse, uh, said it's probably his favorite t- uh, TurboGrafx game, which I would agree. Um, it's, again, like I said, it was, it was prominent as far as the marketing is concerned. Um, as far as all over the place. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention with that too is um, later on in the TurboGrafx life when the uh, Turbo Duo came out, a lot of the promotions out there um, at the time you would get like up to like five or six free games with buying the console, um, four of which were on one CD-ROM. But interestingly, they always included um, a Hue card game in the box as well. And it was random as far as what you would get. Um, sometimes you would get double dungeons or dungeon explorer. And most of the time Ninja spirit was a free pack in game. Be nice. Which is pretty cool. So um, at that time, I think turbo duos were probably selling for like $150 or so and getting like four or five free games with them. But if I would have had the spare cash at the time, I definitely would have gotten one, but you know, it's too wrapped up. Man, I can't even have that one. I can't even admit, imagine a time where Turbo Duo would have been that that cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't know, it was hard to get market share here from Sega and Nintendo at the time. I mean, it just, it was next to impossible. But if you look right. at Japan, it's interesting because the PC Engine in Japan was basically the number two console. And it outsold the Mega Drive, which is weird because, especially if you read Console Wars, you'll see a little bit more of that as well. But um, it's interesting that in Japan, the Mega Drive was more of a niche system and the PC Engine was more popular and it was kind of the opposite here. So, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Jeff Baldry also said that uh, his only memory of the TurboGrafx-16 is how bad he wanted one as a kid but never got it. His brother and, and he got a Super NES instead. So, uh, Which I can understand that as well. I mean, you know, especially if you look now at console prices adjusted for inflation, you look at how much this shit actually cost when we were growing up. It's amazing that we got anything to be honest. Right. With. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, but um, it's just almost humbling in a way because games are so cheap now across the board, but you look at the stuff from back in the day, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think the other thing too, was that like, as a kid, I don't think we were really cognizant of, you know, price, like we thought our parents just had tons of money, I'm sure. Or, you know, the birthday present, Christmas present, kind of allowance savings, you know, that we would use to get games like maybe a good report card. Yeah. And, you know, we were aware of the fact that there were only so many games we were ever going to get. But like I I was one who I mean, yes, I was a Nintendo fanboy growing up for sure. But I think that I was also somewhat aware of just like the overall game selection um Mm -hmm. you know i was never terribly interested in actually owning a turbo graphics or a master system or anything else just because you know when i would go to the 
you know, video store and rent games, like I didn't see a gigantic TurboGrafx section. I saw a gigantic Nintendo section. And you're exactly right. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest reasons right there. Right. And so I, I wanted the system that I knew was not only going to have the games that I recognized, but that was going to have just, a, you know, a, a lot of games available to me. And yeah, so it's like, well, if I'm only going to get one system, do I really want the one that has, you know, some caveman with a giant head and maybe some good games, but maybe not? Or do I want to get the one that I know is a safe bet? Right. So yeah, it's it's kind of sad because um, you know, and I'm I'm glad that some of these games are still um, being talked about and stuff because you know they they are sort of obscure and you run the risk of them sort of being lost to the ages in a way. And there are so many good games out there that kind of haven't been discovered by right. everybody. And it's it's fun to go back and uh, discover those for the first time. You know, and I I would challenge any of the listeners out there too. I mean, I, I think that the people listening to this show are pretty educated and know retro gaming. Um, but for those of you who don't, I think that, you know, one thing I would challenge you to do is if you've got a Wii or a Wii U or a 3DS, um, you know, I, I think the, the Wii more so than the others, mm. get, get on the virtual console and just take a look at some of those games because like, the yeah. Wii itself has, I forget, I think like eight or nine different consoles that it has games for. Um, they don't have much, much more time for that, maybe about a year before they shut the service yeah, down. Yeah, it's, it's going away in January of next year, so you've got a year left. Um, yeah. But the games are are dirt cheap, and there's so many of them on there. And like the, this one is a perfect example. This game can be yours for, uh, I don't remember the exact price, eight, $8 or less. Um, yeah, $7.99, something like that. And it's been on there for 10 or 11 years now. So mm-hmm. it's been right in front of your face, and you probably just didn't even realize it. But like, it's it's where I feel like it's just such a shame that like this stuff is out there, and yeah. you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars getting retro copies of it. Like there are legitimate ways to do it. But just dig through, you know, and see what's there, and just take it. Take a chance on a game you've never heard of and never played. Worst case, mm-hmm. you know, you're out five to eight dollars. Oh well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just consider it like a bad rental. Right. We all rented crappy games back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Somebody always rented Jordan versus Bird. I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's weird too because um, the digital distribution rights for a lot of these games. It's kind of interesting because um, obviously NEC is not making consoles anymore and uh, Hudson has been disbanded. So a lot of the a lot of the IPs off of the Turbo Graphics got purchased by Konami um, several years ago. So they've done a decent job of putting stuff out, like you said, on the Wii Virtual Console. Um, there's PC Engine games on the Japanese 3DS eShop as well. Um, so they're still out there. They're just not super prominent. But although if this stuff starts coming out on the Switch, I'm totally buying it. So whoever's listening, uh, put some Turbo Graphics games on the Switch, and you'll have at least one sale. Yeah, I'm very interested to see where that goes and what the uh, whole Switch eShop or Virtual Console or online or whatever they're going to do with it. There's hey, pretty much anything. I'm I'm buying like Neo Geo games like one a week, pretty much because you know they keep putting them out, and it's perfect for that. So right. Um, there's obviously a market there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. So, yeah. I did want to talk about one other thing before we get into the tips and tricks. And this was kind of the 
sort of the spoiler alert, like what we talked about before with the uh, the beginning of the game with the wolf, um, specifically the ending of the game. Um, if you beat the console version, like I was saying, where it's like it, it's not really clear if you're a wolf or not, but it is kind of in the ending. If you if you remember after you beat the great mummified monk, um, at least in the turbo version, you basically turn back into the dog. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, vaguely, I was, you know, half paying attention trying to read some of the kanji that were flying through because it gives okay. all the bosses and their names. And I was this is right before that, before all that happens when the screen's flickering. Okay, so your guy turns into your dog, and then just you know it just ends from there. So I, I think in a way, I think you are the spirit of the dog as a ninja. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. Like I said, ninja transformations into dogs. I'm, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I didn't know that was a subgenre, but uh, I like it. There's a subgenre for everything anymore. I mean, <laughs> That's if you, true. If you Google it, you can find it. You know, I'm just saying. I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube a few weeks ago, and I probably talked about this on the show, but um, I went down a rabbit hole of crane games because I thought, you know, I wonder if there's videos of people playing UFO catchers and crane games. And sure enough, I found this whole fucking channel of people playing crane games in Japan and like they even had like a logo and they had, I mean, they had everything. I watched it for probably 45 minutes. And Shannon was like, you need to turn that off because you've gotten pulled into this rabbit hole. So, <laughs> it's out there. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, so I wonder if this turbo graphics hotline that's in the uh, instruction manual is still valid. Oh, I it's, wish it was. It's a 708 really number. Doubt. That's uh, probably going to cost a little bit of money. Maybe I'll call it after the show and see see what I get. Yeah, and I think I probably talked about this on the first uh, one of the first episodes that we did a, a PC Engine game, but you know their their corporate headquarters was Wooddale, Illinois. I mean, it was like three hours from from me. Yeah, like as a kid, like I always just wanted to just walk in there and be like, "Hey, can I have a Turbo Graphics?" And they would just give it to me. But I mean, obviously that's not gonna happen. But that's a, that's uh, exactly how it worked. That's yeah. Yeah, that's, I know. But That's why weird. there weren't like, very many of them given out is because nobody was brave enough to do it. But yeah, they were know, just sitting there well, waiting for kids. So we're just going to have to throw them in the burn pile here. Okay. Stack of free turbo graphics. <laughs> nobody comes in and asks. <laughs> right. If you think about it though, like, cause I mean, we're, we're recording this from central Illinois, obviously, but um, you know, growing up, there was a lot of stuff around us that was pretty influential. I mean, if you think about it, you've got NEC up in, uh, up in Wooddale, uh, we had the uh, EGM offices were in Lombard. I mean, EGM was getting produced up near Chicago. Uh, we had Bally and Midway in Chicago as well, producing games. Now you've got NetherRealm making Mortal Kombat games. I mean, it's just bizarre to me, um, you know, how close we were to all this stuff. I mean, growing up, I guess. Yeah, some of that's still around. Uh, here in Champaign is um, the headquarters of Volition Games. Uh-huh, yeah. Makes, uh, Thanks, bro. Saints Row and a couple other games like that, but yeah, they're they're about three three four uh, blocks down the road from me. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, Stern Pinball is still operating in Chicago, so you still have that. Um, just bizarre to me, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Alrighty, well, um, should we do some tips and tricks? Sure. Tips and tricks. Um. So. I didn't, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to discuss on this one. Um, I kind of had just some overall pointers for some things that were going to work out uh, or going to help you through the game. Um, 
and then some of that we already touched on, like for example, the um, you know being very selective with what weapons you choose. Um, I think the bomb makes most of the bosses uh, almost you know easy would be mm-hmm. probably the easiest way to say that. Um, yeah. But I think that you know the the only other little strategies that I came up with as I was playing is is like stage four gave me a lot of trouble the first time I played it. That's the one where you've got a you can like jump on the ceiling or on the floor and there's things stabbing mm-hmm. from above down below. There's the ninjas yeah. with the sickles. That's, you know, instant death. Um, that's where the game kind of gets real. I think it, it does. Point. And and what I had to kind of learn at that point was that it's not worth trying to actually like kill everything. Just learn where the ninjas show up and just kind of run for it. Um, yeah. And kill enough to get by and you basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then yeah, there was the the other part, which was you know, Ninja Death Tunnel, um, which obviously mm-hmm. is a is a total bitch to get through. But there's yeah. So okay, so how did you get through that? Uh, the first time I played it, where I said I did it for about forty five minutes, I was basically just memorizing the pattern, and I was kind of hugging the right hand wall. Um, okay. I was off it a little bit, but basically I would. I was able to count and see like, okay, two of them come and then I need to move to the left and then three more and then move to the right. And okay. I did that for a while and then it became too tedious and it was very easy to lose count. Um, and then finally I decided, okay, let's try the other wall. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of drifted over there and found that if you're just basically just like a couple spots to the right of the left-hand wall, mm-hmm. you can almost fall straight down. Right. Um, there's a couple times that you're going to get hit. Uh, I kind of kept the bombs equipped and just kept throwing them straight down so mm-hmm. that if there was something that was going to kill me, maybe that would get it first. But um, I actually found that once I moved over there, I got through with little to no problem. Yeah. And that's pretty much the the secret is uh, as soon as you start to fall in that, that section, um, just go all the way to the left of the wall and just maybe go like one character length to the right. Yeah, that was about right. And just fall straight down. And if you throw bombs, um, then the the explosions will kind of give you a little bit of a invincibility zone. Yeah, and you kind of had to still be aware, like <clears throat> if if you saw a ninja coming up at you, like still kind of shift to the right or left a little bit, like. But um, you know, get, give it two or three tries, and you should be able to make it through if you kind of yeah. stay over there on the left. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely a uh, a learning curve when you first get to that because uh, you know it's just it's crazy. There's right. so many freaking ninjas, but uh, I don't know. that's that's the fun of it. So. Yeah. So the other thing that I found, which I guess is more of a an actual secret in the game, if you want something more tangible, um, there is a level select option in the Turbo Graphics version of the game. Um, at the title screen, if you press button two one two two one two then you press select and basically hold it while you press run. Mm. It kind of changes where there's the different uh, options on the screen. You can see like game start or like, you know, one player, two player option. Uh Uh, The, the very bottom option, I think it was a sound test or something maybe is replaced by stage select. Okay. Uh, And then you can press, if you press button one, it'll kind of switch you through levels one through three as an option. And then if you hold select and run, it'll give you four, five, and six as your choices. But um, yeah, so if, if one of them's giving you a lot of trouble and you want to skip ahead and see something else, 
go for it. Um, the game's short enough that there's really not a whole lot of reason to skip ahead to no. save time. Um, unless you really just want to practice Ninja Death Tunnel and don't want to play through the whole game again. But um, yeah, so there you go if you want something a little more tangible. Yeah. Yeah, the only tips I really came up with were just um, different weapons that worked really well on each boss. Um, and like we kind of said, you know, the um, the first boss, uh, Asura, that was mostly um, like sword or throwing stars also worked. Um, the twin axe ogre, the second boss, um, I, I found that using throwing stars at a distance worked really well, especially if you had two ninja doubles, because again, you're just filling the screen with them. Yeah, whatever you do, you just need to stay distant. Yeah. Because he, he kind of like he climbs the trees and rotates and then just does this like lunge straight at you. Yeah. And it's it's the first thing in the game that's instant death. Right. And that really takes you by surprise. And it's like it's hard to avoid him and still damage him. So yeah, either the Shurukens, which is very effective but a little bit slow, or you know, if if you kind of just carpet bomb him too. Right. Um, it, I was surprised that it was like, oh, that only took like three hits. <laughs> but yeah, y- your aim has to be pretty good to be able to pull that one off. Yeah, and kind of the same with um, Hanzo the Fiend, um, the the third boss, because uh, you know his his sword is always up in a defensive position, so you need the bombs to kind of get that splash damage from the explosion to go through. Right. Um, the Enchanted Stones, which is the next boss, which. Uh, we didn't really talk about this, but the um, the enchanted stones seem to um, be sort of a, a spiritual um, kin to the boss in Blaster Master. I was going to say it's it's the Blaster Master thing all over again. Yep. Or or Mega Man was it Mega Man Two that had yep. crates? Yeah. So I don't know what it was again with you know what, like we said yeah there's a ton of ninja games there's also a ton of games that had random oh, no they're, they're, that was Mega Man Three I think was it Three Oh yeah it was Three Okay. But yeah, uh, for some reason, random sentient boxes was a thing. Uh, yeah, as far as that. So if you use bombs on those, uh, those work really well. Uh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, the tribe of the nine wind demons, uh, which is just basically uh, a giant kite with like nine ninjas just hanging on, just flying, <laughs> the air, which is pretty fucking sweet. Um, that was mostly bombs or throwing stars. And the uh, obviously the the ghosts of fugitive warriors those are uh, bombs for sure because of the splash da- splash damage. Yeah, and, and for uh, for that one, I found like if you if you time it right because they kind of like fade into the screen. Yeah. Um. If you're standing there, they'll fade in like right on top of you, mm-hmm. and right as you see them come in, jump straight up and just throw bombs below you, yep. and they'll die before you land. Um, oh yeah. And as long as your timing is good, you can get through all of them. Yeah, and the same with the uh, the great mummified monk. Uh, the final boss is mostly um, you're mostly dodging the energy beams that are coming out, but uh, you know bombs or throwing stars are are your best bet there. Yeah. Those are those are my uh, strategies. So. Yeah, and I mean all in all, I would say that the the bosses weren't too difficult. Um, I think the second boss is the most difficult for me. Um, mm-hmm. But well, you don't yeah. expect them to charge right into you and kill you yeah exactly um but Usually yeah it's a level two boss is like a guy that's like he's kind of decent but still a pushover but in this case now well, he's, he's he's a pretty decent boss yeah so uh i think those are pretty good tips you know nothing that really spoils the game too much but um no, no and like i said you, you know you can um 
you can feel free to to adapt it and challenge yourself as well by um, using different different uh, weapons to see you know if you if you've got the skills. Right. Right. So. All right. So um, I think that was a good episode. Good welcome back from Christmas. Yeah. Good for first episode of the year. That's right. So yeah, I think 2018 is going to be good for us. We've already got uh, we were making a list before the show started of you know half a dozen or so listener requests that have been coming. So mm-hmm. we're um, prepped and ready to go for that. Um, first oh, yeah. one of which will be in two weeks. So no spoilers yet, but stay tuned. No, but it'll be a, a big game. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say that it's, it's a game that a lot of people have played and probably have very fond memories of it. So uh, please look forward to that. And if you have any, um, suggestions or uh, any ideas of games that you'd like to talk about or um, anything that you'd like to like for us to cover. Um, there's quite a few different ways to contact us, obviously. Uh, we've got a Facebook group, Graveyard Duck Podcast. We're on Twitter, um, at Duck Graveyard. Um, you can send us an email, graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, just just let us know what you think of the show, um, you know, what what you'd like to hear us talk about or what memories you have growing up playing retro games or, uh, you know, we love to hear it. And that's why we, that's why we enjoy doing the show. Absolutely. You know, and if you do like the show, you know, please leave us a, a review on iTunes and uh, that would help get us noticed and help move us up in the ranks a little bit. We definitely appreciate that too. Definitely. So, all right. Well, uh, I think that about wraps this one up. So until two weeks from now, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And uh, just remember that there are multiple weapons to get through each stage of life. So use them accordingly. Game over.